the truth in his art. We are back in the city of brotherly love. Uh, yeah, I think I think this will go. Yeah, we're in Philly, and I am your host Rob Lee. And today I'm just privileged, happy, enthused, enthused, all of the stuff to welcome my next guest, the founder of StreetsDepartment.com, StreetsDPT.com, and one of the most influential people in Philadelphia. Uh, he is a Fishtown native and a talented photo blogger, curator. And, and podcast, you're in my lane. Please welcome Conrad Benner. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rob. Thank you for coming on. Like, you, I love that you clearly have listened to my podcast because that's how I, you did the same inflection of like streets department, streets, D-E-P-T, like short for department. Because <laughs> you have to spell it out. I think this is where, uh, I think years ago I did buy, if you type in streets department, like the full thing, I think it will redirect you to my thing, but I don't know if I ever auto-renewed that, so yeah, I always try to make it clear. T-E-P-T. Also, I don't want to be confused for the actual streets department. No. No. Yeah. It's like just something like, yeah, so I got this fish, this trash needs to get, that needs to get picked yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, I get tweets like that all the time. Not at all. Can't do it. Um, I always get people to say, yeah, the truth is in that art. And I was like, that's not the name of this podcast <laughs> at all. Yeah. Close. Truth in art. And I was like, try that's again. also not the name of this podcast. <laughs> But um, again, thank you for coming on. It's uh, truly like a pleasure to be able to chat with you. We chatted a bit before, you know, doing the real, real thing, and now we're here. So, you know, I find that you're you're out here. You've been doing like you know work here for quite some time. There's some yeah. sort of overlap as long as how both of us been kind of doing our stuff. So, if you will, kind of like talk about some of your your early roots that kind of brought you here, because I find that. A lot of times, some of the stuff that we're into as young people, it comes back in some mm. way, shape, or form. Like um, I was mentioning earlier, me being a podcaster, I was one of those jerks with a little handy recorder in high school. Yes. Speaking in the third person, though, because oh, I was really whoa. into The Rock. You were in the NPR. Okay. <laughs> I, I was really into that. So it's like, yeah, The Rob is here with blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now I somehow turned that whole flaw into a podcast career. So if you will, could you share like some of your early creative interests and in how they maybe shifted into what you're doing now? Oh, this is such a good question. And I could go a few different ways with it. I mean, one, I've always loved architecture, architecture and street art. Sure. So when I was a kid growing up, I loved books about architecture and street art. Those were like the only books I would ask my mom for like Christmas and stuff. Um, so now I run a street art blog, so that's a pretty <laughs> direct one. But also architecture, if you remember like especially the early days of Instagram, like the O, or not the O, the 11s, the 12s. Um, if you go back to my Instagram feed, there was a, a mix of like not only street art, but like really cool architecture photos yeah. of the city. You know, there are skyline or this building or that building. Um, so I think that those interests continued my whole life. Um, before I ended up effectively dropping out of high school, um, I was planning on going to college to be an architect. Nice. And to this day, I'm so glad that never happened because I realized I just like architecture and I'm gay. And I didn't want to be an architect. I like what I'm doing very much. Another, and I actually just had this conversation the other day. Um, way of thinking about this is my mom always said when I was growing up I grew up in Fishtown so we didn't have like a front lawn or a backyard with a lawn we just had concrete so she would put um, this like pool outside and put like a comforter under it you know an old comforter so yeah. I wouldn't scrape my knees on the on the sidewalk and I'd sit in the pool all day long and just talk to any stranger who went by she's like you were such an annoying kid because like everyone who walked by you try to like start a conversation I'm like oh that's Kind of what I do now. So, um, yeah, I think there's a few threads few there. Threads, yeah. Yeah. So, like, and, and thank you. Thank you for walking us through it. That was actually really funny. <laughs> so, really, what, you know, said, what to you was like, this should be a blog. This should be something that I should kind of transfer these sort of interests into a, a blog, into sort of this, because it's ultimately, in my opinion, and you mentioned it a second ago, and if you look back, that feels like archive, no? Yeah. So what kind of like influenced you to go in that direction? So, yeah, I, uh, despite loving street art books and architecture magazines, um, when I did... I got my diploma from Kensington High School here in Philly, decided not to go to college. And I just worked at coffee shops. I worked at Whole Foods for a while, kind of did what anyone in their late teens, early 20s would do. <clears throat> and it wasn't until um, my early 20s when I started to go to like First Friday shows. Um, I had a friend group then. We were talking in the pre-show pre <laughs> about how you end up becoming an amalgamation of the people you hang around. And I was uh, met some folks at Whole Foods who had recently come from SCAD, the Savannah School of Art and Design. Nice. And they, a couple of them were new to Philly, and I'd been here, been here my whole life. But 
they were like, let's check out this old thing in First Friday, old uh, first yeah First Friday in Old City, and I was like, okay, let's do that. And I found the art was really cool. It wasn't just like this stuffy stuff in museums. So um, very quickly after that, I started writing for different blogs here in Philadelphia. It was yeah. just being in Philly. One of the things I love about this city is you you meet random people in random places where a huge city. It's whatever six million people in the metro, one and a half million, one point six in the city. But the you know like a lot of communities, the creative community is pretty tight. So if you go to a certain bar or a certain restaurant or a certain coffee shop, you might bump into people right. or to the first Friday shows. <laughs> so I got invitations to do op eds and different things, investigating Philly's art world, investigating Philly's like nightlife and music. I mean that was a whole other thing I did. Um, and then when I was 24, I broke my leg. I got hit by a van on Sixth and Spring Garden Street. I was biking to my job at Cappuccino Gelato, and it broke my leg in many places. I got a rod in my leg. Was like on my parents' couch for a few months and went through this depression and was like, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I'll do what kids do when they're 18 and go to college. So I started going to community college. And at that same time, I was like, I need a creative outlet. It can't just be work because I was working full time, going to community college part time. Um, and my creative outlet was uh, my camera and my camera roll was mostly street art. And I thought, well, I'll just make this into a blog. Yeah. And the blog, especially in the beginning, was really just photos, naming the artist, maybe the location, but usually not even that. It was just a photo blog. But it blew up pretty quickly. And then I invested more time into it. And now it's, yeah, what I've been doing for 12 years, 12 years this week. You got me on <laughs> in a good time. Congratulations on 12 years. Thanks. It's, it's funny, you mentioned 24. Same time where I was working at Verizon, I was a. Um, I was a marketing data analyst, okay. making the most money I've ever made, right? At, yeah. the, at least at that time. And just was trying to work, and this really sets the stage. I almost went in a theater of the mind sort of way, go back. Some of my marketing tactics were not good. One was we did a music video, it was a training video to the song, um, I think, Rockstar by Nickelback, maybe? Oh, okay. It was I'd not love good. to see that. It was terrible. <laughs> and it was another thing where I was like, um, kind of helping to bump up sales. They were using this sort of youthful enthusiasm and the youthful exuberance that I had. Um, but I painted my sunglasses, they were white sunglasses, to look like Soja Boy sunglasses at the time. Oh. It was poor course on my part, <laughs> but that's the stuff that I was doing. But I was like really struggling to try to find in this sort of this is the thing you're supposed to go after. You graduate, you do all of your things. This is the lane that someone has presented for me, right? Mm. And feeling like kind of lacking, not feeling satiated creatively. And I remember literally it's my 24th birthday. I'm going to do a podcast or something. I yeah. wanna, and I was really into podcasts like Kevin Smith's and uh, a lot of talk radio and things of that nature. God, and podcasts must have been so pretty new then, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Kevin Smith, his podcast was 2007. Okay. That was when it launched. So I'd been listening to it for a little while. And I remember just different things he would kind of give away. I'm like, what kind of equipment do you use? Because I'm going to buy that, right? Also, can I ask a tech? So 2007, Please. you're not on your smartphone. What are you, You're listening on your computer? I'm listening to my computer yeah, at work, huh. yeah. So... Yeah, because I, I had like a flip phone for a very long time. Um, but um, he would give away different details of what he was using. And he had a Fast Track Pro. And that's the first thing, the first piece of equipment I have, and I still own it. So going back to 2009, that's the only thing of my original gear that I own. Wow. And I just remember having dinner on my birthday with some of my closest people and just like, you guys are my mastermind team. Just saying that, just kind of having a loose concept of what that meant, going back to my, my business you know, school knowledge, what have you. Mm -hmm. And that became like my the name of my first podcast, Mastermind Teams Robcast. So what that meant, like <clears throat> you bounced ideas off of them, bounced ideas, wanted to collaborate with yeah. them, the whole thing, and really were they in part of creating that first podcast? Um, they were guests on there, yeah. But I, as far as all the technical work, it was just me. It's like, yeah, Rob, you got it. Stay with sick with it. You got wow. it. And uh, even when it came to like funding it, you know, getting that, the, getting the gear and all of that, it was really much, really pretty much my baby. But I think that year, twenty four. Something happens then. If anyone's listening and you're about to hit 24, I, I think because when you're 14, 20 seems like a million miles away. But by the time by the time you're 24, 30 seems real close or closer than whatever. And 30, I look, I'm 37 now. I'm about to be 38. And it's love not my. scary. I love my 30s. But when you're 24, like the idea of 30 can be kind of intimidating, um, especially if you're like I was, like I was working, making next to minimum wage, making some dollars in tips, like not knowing what yeah. I was going to do with my life. Um, it can be really intimidating. Yeah. And even if, or even if like, it's like you and you're pretty, you're, you've, you found a route for yourself. 
I don't know. There, there, this change that happens. Return of Saturn is that what it is? Twenty four <laughs> to twenty seven, something happens. And, but and I think also like we hit these milestones. Like in doing this, you know, I was saying earlier, like how long I've been podcasting. It's you know, it'd be fourteen years uh, next month, right? And at ten years in, it's like I need to do something else mm-hmm. to add to this. I need to kind of like, what is this ultimately going to be? Sure, I can say a bunch of off colored things and be funny and all of that stuff, but what is really the important thing? What am I trying to get across? What value am I really adding within the community? And I think arts and culture is always a lane that I've really cared about. So that's really where this came from. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. The older you get, I think the more outwardly you look, or that's been my experience as well. Yeah. What can I do with this? You know, as I built the streets department platform and, you know, the Instagram followers grew and all the, you know, the other platforms grew, I felt really conscious of like, okay, what, is there some other work I can be doing here? Um, started doing things like petitioning SEPTA to have the trains run more. Um, initially, that was run 24-7. Um, they ran at night for a while. COVID messed everything up. Uh, working with uh, Covenant House PA, which is, I believe it's still, the only um, housing for uh, Philadelphia youth who are experiencing housing uh, problems, homelessness. Um, raising money with them, uh, with a public art project, lots of voter engagement. You know, I know that voting's not the not the only answer, but I do think it's part of like a lot of the answers. You know, these positions hold a lot of power and just gotta get the better the better person in when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I've definitely but the blog started just as a like a photo journal archive of things I liked. Um, and it's blown up into this whole different Multiverse. I mean, there's a podcast, there's a TikTok, there's, <laughs> it's bananas. And the whole curatorial side, which I haven't even mentioned, the last few years have been yeah. really focused on curating actual projects in the public space. So went from blogging about artwork in the public space to now we did 13 projects last year uh, with Streets Department Walls, we call our uh, curatorial department. Uh, I follow that account as well. <laughs> I mean, we're in the fashion district and we have Streets Department Walls murals on the ground floor here. So, yeah. <laughs> So, and I think that's a good a good spot to kind of go into this next question. Could you talk to me about the importance of recognizing where and when art and business intersect? Because you know we're always told, "Oh, those are separate things. Artists have no business savvy, and ah, business people—they're not creative." But talk about where those sort of intersect. There's a part B to that this question, but talk about where that intersects. Yeah, I mean, I think broadly, like, we live in a capitalist society, for better or worse, so, like, kind of everything ends up going back to business. I mean, lots of people's hobbies turn into businesses, and I think we live in an age where, um, you know, it's very easy to stumble into creating your own business. Look at up. You can start a podcast. Um, you can. We, there are so many free or cheap tools on the internet now. So if you have access to the internet and you have some some basic tools, you can create an Instagram account and promote your artwork that way. You can create a podcast. You know the expenses there are a bit more, obviously, but um, you know still compared to what they would have been in the '70s or '80s or whatever. Yeah. You know, think about trying to start a magazine in the '80s or any kind of publication. You would have had enormous expenses and a tiny reach. Yeah. And now, if you get a viral TikTok video, you can get two million followers. You know, overnight. It's really bananas how things have changed. So, I think it's really easy for people's hobbies and interests to turn into businesses. Um, when it comes to the arts, though, I do think there are plenty of artists, especially like in the street art world, who do art for art's sake, you know, not necessarily ever wanting it to be a business. True. There are folks who do like stickers and wheat paste who either have ways that they're making money otherwise and just want to do this as an outlet for their creativity. Um, but then there are other artists who want to make it their career. And I think that, again, there it's maybe never been a better time to be an artist. Again, using these tools to yeah. build a, a brand, quote unquote, a name for yourself. Um, and with Streets Department, you know, it was never its intention to be my business. Right. Um, I started it while I worked at that gelato shop, while I was at community college. Very quickly, because I had the blog, I was invited to interview for a marketing job here in Philly for this company called Quaker City Mercantile. Hmm. And I got it. So then I was the global community manager for Hendrix Gin. Um, nice. Worked at that company for four years, learned a lot about social media, especially in those early days. This was like 2011 to 2015. 
And the blog was just something I did on the nights and weekends. Um, And it wasn't until my Instagram really blew up to over 100,000 followers and I got you know, this is the heyday of Instagram marketing, Budweiser and um, Honeygrow, local brands, Lyft, yeah. international brands reach out to me and say they want to partner on projects or on sponsored posts or this, that, and the other thing that I thought, oh, wow, I can do, it's a possibility to do Streets Department as a full-time thing. Yeah. And like, it sounded like the direction you were headed in with, you mentioning that it was the most you ever paid. I took a big pay cut, I quit. Mm-hmm. And I invested my time full-time in the streets department, and it's now been, I left my marketing job in 2015, so it'll be eight years this year. Wow. And it's been ups and downs. I mean, it's not easy to figure this out, you know? Um, But, you know, I'm learning every day. And the business model has changed drastically. So, like, when I first quit and streets department was my quote-unquote full-time thing for a while, I still had contracts on the side with – I was working with this voter engagement project called Next Stop Democracy, helping to run their social media a couple hours a week. Um, And a lot of the streets department funding did come through sponsored posts. But within a few years – all of that advertising moved from Instagram to the podcast that I created. Yeah. And over the last few years, most of the you know support that Streets Department is getting now is through the curatorial projects that we create with partners like the Fashion District here or Mural Arts Philadelphia or whomever. Um, and our Patreon. I mean, that's like this beautiful thing that's come out of the last few years, especially through the pandemic, is really communicating to this audience, you know, some people have been following me for 12 years now yeah. saying, like, I really like to do this work. If you like the work that I'm doing and you're able and it's possible for you, like, support $5 a month here, $10 yeah. a month there, and you'll get these extra little things too, you know? So it's wild. You just have to be – maybe life has always been this way, but I feel like the 21st century is bananas already. Once you're able to kind of tap into it and it's, it's hard to get to that spot, I had, like, you know, as I was saying earlier, like, last year was really good. And mainly from from this project, and you know, from being honest, I was running another podcast as a you know goofy movie review podcast yeah. to keep my pop culture chops. Ooh, and th- that's you want to be we'll, on the NPR pop culture podcast? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about okay. it. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> and and I and I think you know once it got there, my desire, and, and maybe this aligns, but my desire is how can I support my friends who have been around trying to do the same thing in their sort of lane and I find that it's just like you're unique I don't have that same sort of drive that you have and it's just like I don't know if it's that I don't don't really view it as that it's just like it's a lot of work that goes into it and and I'm sure you've encountered this oh overnight success when was overnight right a decade and a half ago (laughs) I mean street storm has been 12 years but I've been blogging writing since I was 20 you know I'm 37 now so I definitely, it, it'll, one of the things I've learned about blogging too is, so when I started Streets Department in 2011, um, there were a lot of blogs. Blogs were still relatively new and there yeah. were blogs for this and blogs for that. Uh, hyper local, hyper focused blogs were very popular then. Um, and few of those still exist to this day. And I really think, uh, you know, for whatever number of reasons, some of them got bought out by bigger mm-hmm. media publications here in Philadelphia and kind of got either rolled into them or became a subset of whatever they do. Um, but, yeah, just having persistence, this is where I think being a little um, – not putting so much weight on yourself. There were years where I didn't blog as much, weeks where maybe I'll go weeks without posting anything on Instagram. And I think it's really easy to be like, well, I'm not doing the work enough. I'm not – whatever. But I think we have to have ebbs and flows in this career, especially mm-hmm. when it's so driven by, like, one person. I do have a support now. I have Eric Dale, who I work with. He's a contractor. Um, he does a lot of the reporting for Streets Department. He helps us make our magazine and our mm-hmm. Patreon um, and other support in other areas. But when it's so driven by, like, one person mm-hmm. in the in the company, if you will, um, you have to also realize that you're a person. So, like, the business and the personal and the all of it kind of, kind of combines. Um but persistence is what I was trying to get at, you yeah. know. In 2012 particularly, so in 2012, I'd been working at Quaker City for a year, making a salary for, I think, the first time. 
No, I made a salary at the gelato shop, but it was just very. <laughs> you were paid in ice cream. <laughs> it was. I mean, I could tell you, but it was very low. Um, I mean, we made tips too, but um, yeah, like salary, healthcare for the very first time. You know, X Y Z, and in twenty twelve, I was like, oh, maybe I quit the blog. Maybe the blog was just this fun thing I did for a year or two years, and yep. I'm gonna be an adult and stay in this career. But thankfully, I never did. You know, I right. blogged less for that for a lot of that year, but um, I didn't give it up and. It's something I'm just so grateful for because, again, a lot of those blogs didn't stick around, I think, yeah. for many reasons, but um, I was able to. I see that happening with podcasting right now. And, yes. um, you know, I had this period where, again, you know, there's this sort of similarity, simpatico, right? Where at this period, I was super depressed. And I don't think I recorded a podcast in like 18 months. Yeah. And I just remember I moved into my, my first place, had a studio, had no job, but moved into my first place. It was a very interesting period. And, I, you know, you get the, um, there, I think there are a few different colors when you move into an apartment. You have gentrification gray. Or, or you, or, <laughs> Why is it all so gray? It's so and, sad. And then you have, like, white. And I had, like, these white walls. And, you know, I'm, I love puns. And I overthink everything. I was like, one could look at this. It's like a padded room, brother. I'm having this internal dialogue yeah. with the white walls. And I remember I had a few friends who I trusted, that sort of mastermind team I was referring to earlier. They were like, you're you're Rob though. Like you're the podcast guy. You're driving this whole thing, because I was like, I'm not able to connect with the people I like recording with in that same way. And I don't know what the reasoning was, but I just wasn't recording anything. And I was like, maybe I'm done with this. Maybe this mm. doesn't. And I had that sort of period again at that 10 year mark. And you know, I've just been doing. It. I always joke that this is the longest and most stable relationship I've been in. And I hate that you just said that because I say that about Street Department all the time. I'm like, it's the longest boyfriend I've ever had. It's, 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 it's 85. That's just what it is. It's 1985. <laughs> yeah. That's just what it is. And I love what you just said, too, because I don't think we talked about it enough. But, yeah, like, this is actually pretty recent for me, too. So, again, 13 curatorial projects last year with yeah. Street Department Walls. And um, one of the biggest challenges I have found with having Street Department is because it's not just a blog anymore. It's a blog. It's a podcast. The social media takes so much of my time. Now with mm -hmm. everything I document, you have to make a TikTok video, which I like doing. I really enjoy TikTok. But it's like two hours of work of like editing the video and then captioning mm -hmm. it and posting it. And, okay. Um, and then the podcast on top of that, that this past year, I've really um, – let myself down with how much I've, uh, how much, how many podcasts I've put out. So I've actually recorded a bunch of them because it's really, for me, it's really easy to like set up an interview, do research, have the interview. I love talking to people. Yeah. I'm the kid in the pool uh, on the sidewalk <laughs> hey, waving <you>. people down. <laughs> but where I stumbled this year was with all that other work and just needing breaks and yeah. breaths. Um, I wasn't editing those podcasts and sending them to my editor and, and chopping them up and, f and, putting them into a final product. So that's one of my goals this, this winter when the curatorial project has sort of slowed down is to get back on track with that. But um, as disappointed as I often can let myself be, I have to remind myself, like, I've only gotten to this position because I've given myself... Give yourself grace. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's pressure I'm putting on myself. No one cares. The episodes are going to come out when they come out. They're going to be good. Yeah. And, uh, you know... It is what it is. I, I, I definitely, I relate. Because um, I, I try to tell folks, like, look, I have a production calendar. It's going to come out when it comes out. I have a plan. I have ideas. And, you know, like last year, I, I put out, not even recorded, but I put out 300 episodes. Oh, my. Yeah. And What is that? Yeah. Four a week? Um, yeah. And it was pretty much every. Wait, that just did the math really good. You, you, were, re you were very close. Okay. You were very close. <laughs> uh, I was putting out one per day since March, though. On average, Monday through Friday, uh, Monday through Sunday. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. and okay, and it was it was it was wild. And you know, as I looked at it and putting together like proposals for grants and funding and all of that stuff, I was like, I'm not doing 300 again. I was like, I want to do something that is where is this going? Like using sort of that business mindset of all right, what is the innovation here? I can continue doing it, and I still want to do series like this where I'm able to go to a different city and have a conversation like this with you. And I think that that extends community and it's something about doing it in the city. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have like that's the cheesesteak story I had when someone was like, I'm running late, bro. Cause I had to stop to get a cheesesteak. I was like, hold up. What? And you know, having that sort of thing, that's sort of way better than Zoom. Yes. 100%. And being able to do maybe a hundred and be able to do sort of these pockets of, I'm going to do eight interviews in Philadelphia. I'm going to do 10 in New Orleans or whatever. And then do sort of these live 
you know, community focused free events that is still coming from this sort of brand, but it's not. I'm going to do 300 podcasts and I'm going to do a mix of, of uh, events, of content, of what have you under this sort of brand. And in that, it brings me to that, 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 that second part. It's not even the second question for, for this. Um, you'd mentioned earlier some of the collaborations, some of the partnerships that, that presented themselves. Mm-hmm. How do you suss through that? Like, How do you figure out, like, all right, this is going to be a fit? Because not everybody is a fit. It might be yeah. great opportunities. It might be because I, I look at some of the guests I bring on. This person's got a lot of attention. I don't know. I don't know if I bang with them. I don't know if I want them on. Yeah. So how do you how do you look through that? <clears throat> I think with time, you kind of get a sense of who you are and what you want to do in this world. And also with time, you get more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit easier to say no. Um, I'll give you one example from that Instagram influencer era, the 2014-2015, where I really was getting a lot of emails from big, big, big brands yeah. to do silly things on Instagram, post this photo or come to our event and post about it and, you know, getting decent money for that. But I still said no to a few brands. I don't know. I said no to Mountain Dew. I have this thing with soda. My dad drank Diet Pepsi like two two liters a day and I was just like, I'm anti-soda. <laughs> um, so for, for semi-personal reasons, I said no. I was really against the soda thing. Um, and a couple of fast food chains reached out to me and I said no as well. Um, but, you know, partners like, again, Covenant House coming to me and saying, like, we love the platform you've built and we think public art could have a role in helping to raise money for our organization yeah. because, you know, there are uh, hundreds of Philadelphia youth and youth can range in age from late teens to early 20s yeah. where maybe they're coming out of the foster system or they're queer and trans and they're kicked out of their homes because their parents don't like that. Or just simple things like you get in a fight with your dad. You ever get in a fight with your parent? Well, if you have a, a certain kind of parent, sometimes that means you get kicked out for a week or two. Um, and the only thing stopping Philadelphia youth from, from having a home is money, right? So we need more funding for these for these shelters and for these programs and um so it was an easy yes with them. I think today, it's something I'm always still learning. Like I recently said yes to writing this op-ed for a magazine. They want it to, uh, I guess they go to different cities and work with different writers and to get their perspective on different things happening in their city. So I initially said yes, because I thought, oh, this is a cool opportunity. I won't name the magazine for reasons which you'll learn in a second. But um, the editor kept pushing back on what I was sending them and wanted me to go in a direction and write about something I didn't frankly know about. Um, And then they were like, you could interview this person and that person to get this answer. And I was like, okay, this is not even Uh, what mm -hmm. I want to write about. It's not what I know about. And how am I supposed to be the the expert in this? I was like, I can tell you about this, that, and the other thing, but I can't tell you about that. So I said, I don't think this is going to work. Write about the clay people of Fishtown. It's like, I got nothing. (laughs) I got nothing for you. I'm not a clay person. (laughs) Really bizarre. And and maybe that's how some other journalism works. I don't know. But I'm not, you know, a staff reporter at some yeah. magazine. I, I write about what I know, you know, um, and what I, in the world I'm in. As far as, like, the business partners, so, yeah, like, we work a lot with Mural Arts Philadelphia. They are the nation's largest public arts program, and um, they've been a great partner for Streets Department Walls. We work with them. We worked with them a number of times last year to create uh, projects. We also worked with Living Walls Atlanta, an incredible mural arts program in Atlanta who came up to Philly who wanted to work with uh, folks in Philly to do a couple of murals. Um, yeah, I think you just kind of suss it out. It's Yeah, it's, it's that intangible thing of, like, what's going to work for you? Um, and I think we're having this conversation. You get a sense. Sometimes you say yes to things, and then it doesn't work out, and that's okay. <laughs> Maybe Conrad. for the best. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we were talking about maybe in the pre-show yeah. about like even when things look like maybe it's the thing to do, yeah. things will work out the way that they work out. I'm being so vague. But um, no, I, but, I, but I get you, though, where I've I've had some folks reach out to me um, and I'm like, I have no intention, intention yeah. of doing this type of thing again, where it's like, cool, money was great. You know, I was able to do this. And it's like, how much what pieces of what I'm doing am I selling off and what pieces can I like kind of get back? And I think in a, in a spot where you're, you're being a sort of trusted voice, you don't want to give that up for whatever, 
because, yeah. um, you know, there are people who, and I, and I that definitely, that, that thing you were saying, I've had instances where folks are giving me, here's the questions I want you to ask. Cool. Is there any wiggle room? I understand there's some mm. bullet points you want to get across, but you hired me. Not just you could do this if you right, got the questions. Exactly. And it's like there's something that I have. Is it, oh, you're a black guy, so we are trying to get in this market, or you're you're gay, queer, what have you, you're trying to get in this market. It's like what is the reasoning why these two things come together? And, you know, I find that again with the sort of business and art thing that I find that some of the folks that I've dealt with and worked with from that capacity are business people, quote unquote. I'm doing part of their job. I'm the person writing the MOUs. I'm the person that's doing the follow up. I'm the person not breaking a contract. Yeah. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and that's a, a very interesting way. And it's like, I think once the opportunity for like sort of consistent funding comes in or some sort of stream to keep the stuff going more so being a sort of solo person, you know, when I'm able to bring a person in, and this is again where I relate, I think. When I'm able to bring an assistant in, someone to support mm-hmm. the admin stuff, having an editor, it's like now this is a micro economy now. And it's like, you know, as an artist or as someone in that sort of lane, you're paying yourself last. You want to make sure the people that are investing yeah. their time are getting something out of it, you know, that's worth their that's worth their time. That's one of the best things I ever did was get help. <laughs> it's you need it to do this kind of work and to grow when whatever you're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, again, I mentioned Eric Dale, but I work with him a lot. He helps produce the magazine. And, yeah, thinking about – I'm really grateful that Streets Department's at a point now where I do have an option to turn – or I do have the ability to turn options down uh, when different projects potentially come to me. Um, I think we're really intentional about what we do. Um, it's been really exciting, again, this last year to work on the curatorial side. Even something like we projected with Miguel Antonio Horn. Miguel Antonio Horn is an artist who did this incredible sculpture around the corner. We're recording at uh, Rec Philly in Center City, Philadelphia. And he was like, hey, can we get coffee one day? I, w- I would love to do this projection project where we hire four artists, project their work onto our, nice. onto my statue. And, you know, that was a fun project we did in the fall. Um but, you know, I can't emphasize enough how valuable it's been to have the Patreon and to have, like, listener support or, you yeah, know, yeah. follower support or reader support with our – we have now over 100 Patreons who are, you know, contributing every month. With their support, we were able to develop a magazine, our first magazine ever. Congratulations. And so now we do an annual magazine. That's sort of a recap of the previous year. Um, by the time this comes out, it should be available for purchase. You just go to my, the link in my bio. <laughs> um, we also do an annual booklet. So the magazine comes out every winter, every January, and the booklet comes out every June. Yeah. And the booklet offers insight into a handful of neighborhoods from the perspective of Streets Department, which is art, architecture, and public space. So we look at some public parks that are really cool, yeah. obviously street art, murals, all that kind of stuff, but also cool independent artsy shops. Um, and that's all because of this, the support we have directly from folks. So the magazine's not full of ads. <laughs> you know, yeah. It could be double the size if we had ads in it, but um, it's not. It's just the, the content. And I really like doing that. So I hope to grow that just as much as I grow this curatorial stuff. Um, there's been less and less direct advertising, which has mm-hmm. been really fun. Um, so again, yeah, most of that support coming through these curatorial projects and through support directly from our, our followers. That's wonderful. So I want to... I want to shift into. Um, I got. I, I have this one question. Then I'm going to shift into some of the Philly okay. stuff, and then we get to rapid fire. So, I have this one question. Um, in terms of like a journey that uh, a creative takes, that I think non-creatives just don't quite get. It's like, you know, and I think we've been both kind of been talking about that a bit. Of like, it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of time and all of that different stuff. But what is that one thing that you you would share from your vantage point that you just think a lot of people just won't get it into? They kind of go after it in that way. Like, you know what? I'm going to dare to be creative. I'm going to dare to put my time and energy and sweat or whatever into this sort of lane. That's, yeah. I appreciate you emailing me the questions ahead of time. And this is the one I kept stumbling on. I I don't know. My immediate thought, and maybe it's first thought, best thought was like, I think with a lot of this creative work that we do, we're able to do it because it is, we're driven by these forces that are just outside of oftentimes like economics so they're personal or they're creative or they're there's something in us that's pushing in this us in this direction 
And so with a lot of folks, I imagine, you know, you go to your job, you do your job, maybe you like it even, right. but your main goal is to have a good job and to, you know, raise, you know, have enough money to support yourself and your family, let's say. Um, and so potentially in that world, it's really easy to shut it off at night and when you're, when you're not working. So I think one thing that I think really the folks who live that sort of life could think about the creative world is that we're kind of always thinking about it. We're mm-hmm. always working. I just I had this client reach out to me uh, for a potential project, and they were like, what would the hours for this be? I'm like, I don't know how to check hours <laughs> for this. I'd have to check seconds because I'm like in the shower thinking about it and then on a walk to the grocery store, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm taking, you know, we're always <laughs> on with this. And it's not a good or a bad thing. I know I think obviously we need rest and we need sanct- sanctuary. What's the word? I'm like, like, I just listened to this podcast about sabbaticals. Uh, you know, we need rest and community and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But in this creative world where we're pushed by a force that's that's outside of economics and, you know, with economics, you can, oh, I'm going to earn this. Mm-hmm. My, my time clock ended. I'm going to go home and shut it off. We're always on. And I think, yeah, have compassion for your creative friends that, you know, they might not text you back immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, um, they might need you to pull them out of that. Say, hey, look, we're going down the shore. Calm down. I, I had this conversation with someone earlier. I guess I had on earlier. I was like... I'm going to look like a dad for a second because uh, I was like, how many hours of sleep do you get? And she's yeah. like, four hours. I was like, that is not enough. Literally, the look I gave her, I felt like old man Rob. And I was like, oh, shit, I am a daddy. I'm really <laughs> trying to sleep more. They say, There's so many things they're learning that are connected to sleep. Everything. Yeah, 100%. So I got, I got two Philly questions that I want to hit you with real Great. quick. And then I got these rapid fire ones. Okay. So I, I've been really interested in this concept of, of home. Hmm. So... Wherever you go, wherever you are, no, <laughs> how, how do you bring this sort of concept of home whenever you like travel, whenever you go somewhere? Like I'm obnoxiously Baltimore when I go to different cities. Mm-hmm. I don't wear the hat sometimes because I've I found that that's a marker to get robbed. And I'm like, I'm not, not going to be <laughs> stupid or nothing. But, you know, I, I walk around and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I have no problem with saying that and I mention it and I say too weirdly. I get a lot of hot sauce on my chicken. It's, okay. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So. How do you bring Philly with you whenever you travel? Oh, my God. I love this question so much. No one's ever asked me this. It's such a weird, beautiful question. Um, And I think my first thought was the obvious, which is, so Philadelphia is the mural capital of the world. It's a self-designated name, but whatever. It's in Wikipedia, so it is what it is. (laughs) I found it on Wikipedia. It's fine. And but you know the the truth to that is that whenever like Condé Nast Traveler or CNN comes here, they always talk about our murals. We have some five thousand murals, some fifteen hundred works of monuments and public art. We we have art kind of everywhere here. So I, I think that's a big reason why I started the blog. It's always been a part of my life, and the blog is investigating that. Right? Yeah. Like, why do we create the public art that we do, and who are the creators, and what are the forces that it, that's being that allow it to be created, whether it's non-commissioned work, street art, or commissioned work, murals, and public art. It's a really fun thing to think about because our public space is so important. We know what's around us affects us. We mentioned it before about, like, you know, the five people you're around the most end up influencing you in ways you can't even understand. And our public space does that just as much. Mm -hmm. So I would love if there was more conversation and thought around our public space um, being deliberate about you know, what our future public space looks like and thinking about how our public space constantly can better support us in our communities. But um, so when I go and I travel, I look at the public art. I try to look at stickers. I try to look at street art and I try to figure out what's going on there. And it always reminds me of a home. And I think, oh, that artist is really interesting. Or it reminds me of this artist in Philly. Um, So that's kind of the obvious answer to me. But I really value traveling. You know, I grew up in a family where We did, luckily. My mom had a really good year. She worked at a bank. We went to Disney World once, but we didn't travel a lot. We went to the Jersey Shore. Um, My mom went to Canada once, but, you know, my dad only flew once in his whole life. Um, I still have never left the country. I'm doing it this year for the first time, going to Mexico City for a friend's wedding, but also going to stay another week and then be in Mexico City. Um, So, but I have traveled around a lot in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. once, you know, I gotten to the Quaker City Mercantile and like the good money coming in. I tried to do one big trip a year and I've been able to do that with the exception of the pandemic um, year uh, for the last 10 years or so, whatever, however long it is. So traveling is so important. I'm excited to leave the country for the first time and I'm excited to see how that influences me and and my career and my work with Streets Department. But yeah, travel is really important and always finding home in that. Yeah, street art will always remind me of Philly. Public art will always remind me of Philly because I think we do a really good job of it. 
Thank you. Thank you for those insights. And um, I travel the same way. I've, I've only, I think I've been to the Bahamas once, and that's when I was just being a hot boy. Yeah. It, it, was, it was very, it was very, I had a lot of nerves. I'm not a shirt off guy. And I was like, I'm in another country. I'm drinking like zero, like unproofed alcohol. I was like, Whoosh. Just throw it, it off. Is, and I was like, huh. Well, that's what I'm just saying. How like your your environment affects you. Like, yeah, like I um, I like bought, I was in like New Mexico and I like bought clothes. I still have never worn again. But I wore them there. I'm like, I'm this person. <laughs> you I, know? I had family. I had family in New Mexico. My brother has since moved, but uh, I think it was one of the first times I went down there. I was feeling very, very into my myself, and uh, I may have been doing a little something and. Sure. There was a uh, police car rolling around. I was like, I am from Baltimore. I ate it and then oh. went to an Air Wendy's. I got super sick the next day. And they were like, yeah, right. You must have had too much to kill. I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's uh, exactly yeah, yeah. what I or did yesterday. Wendy's, whatever they have at Wendy's, chili. <laughs> so I think it was, a, what, like maybe the chicken version of the Baconator. I was like, steaks oh. were made. Yeah. Where in New Mexico did you go? Clovis. Oh, I've never been there. Yeah. Clovis is right outside of uh, Lubbock, Texas. It's like a 90-mile drive. Isn't the difference between Texas and New Mexico astounding? You're like, that's what local government does. <laughs> yes. When you cross the border and you're like, wow, this is... We got a ticket. Yeah. Um, by by uh, air... By air... <laughs> forced by helicopter. Everyone... This is, we were speeding to get that This is a weird point I'm going to get to <laughs> yeah, real quick. But, like, we are facing our 2023 mayoral municipal elections. Vote, y'all. Because I, I know it can feel really... I know it can feel like a lot of politicians don't do enough for us, and you obviously can make that argument, but when you get the right people in place and the right things work out, you know, things can be really good. I never noticed as much as we were driving, we were on a little road trip from New Mexico to Texas. As soon as we crossed the border, the the land itself was different. You realize, oh, because there's different policies here mm-hmm. that don't protect the land, and all of a sudden it's just industry, and there's smokestacks and pollution, and the, the roads were crappier. And I'm like, this is all the decision of the local government. It was never so clear to me as that exact point. So vote and just vote for the best person. You know, you're we're never going to have... A saint as a as a politician. It's no, but it's no, no utopia, no saint. Yeah, is, right, is your right. point, and yeah, I, you know, I, and I think reframe it and like, run for office. Sorry, that yeah. too. Yes, and I, and I think sometimes reframe it. I think we we do this thing where, and I've been playing with this idea. And we we'll probably talk off mic about this, but you know this this concept of you know some of the words we use. I think that we've gotten really weird with our words over like the last twenty years or so, and they kind of lose some of their meaning. And I was like, say things that make sense. Like if you're going to someone and saying, "Hey, we got these this monkeypox for sake of argument," I was like, "That sounds like a cartoon character." I was like, "Just say, yo, this is the thing that makes your face fall off. Yeah, that's something that's going to get someone's attention. Hurt for a month. Yeah, yeah. you're going to look like a crunch bar. Yeah, and you know, some people like sugar, but some people don't. Um, but yeah, I think being able to communicate things in a way to get that sort of point across and not kind of soft paddling it, and it's like, look, you want people in there to have your like ideas in mind." You know, the whole notion of voting for lesser evil, you know, my, my, yeah. I was like, why are we voting for evil? That, that's literally where my mindset goes. But I think the way that you put it was so, like, well done. I think that's more aligned to what I value. Yeah. And my friend Obiola a few years ago told me this, and I'll never forget it. She said, vote for your better, vote for the better opponent, right? Like, even if you think all these politicians are bad, um, and maybe a lot of them are, vote for the better opponent. Someone's yeah. going to be in this position of power. Who can you win the most yeah. fights against, you yeah. know? So I think I think that would be the, the spot where we actually wrap and go into these rapid fire questions. Okay. And now you have sorry all to of destroy them. the other Philly question. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to work it in there another way because okay. I am a professional. Uh, <laughs> so here's the um, the first one I got for you. Okay. I'm glad I changed it to YouTube. By the way, how fast do I have to give my response? Uh, as fast as you think you can. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, no pressure. What was the last thing you searched on YouTube? Uh, I when I eat. <laughs> I usually make breakfast at home, but when I do eat breakfast in my studio at Bach, I will watch, I don't know, the Philip DeFranco show, probably, or, oh my god, I will search, there's a guy named Per Diem, I think, on YouTube, and he reviews, like, The Bachelor and Survivor and, like, Big Brother, like, all those trash reality shows. No offense, I mean, I'm obviously watching them, so something like that, yeah. Uh, How many hours of sleep do you get? I really try for seven or eight, um, and I usually get it. Okay. I've been getting it recently. I've been ha- like, I woke up in the middle. I woke up at 3 a.m., right? Yeah. I like, was there. At, at the middle of the friggin' well, night. It's the spirits, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what they say. No, I, I woke up and I was like, I got to write comrades' questions. I had to new, put oh some new God. ones in there. So, like you said, I don't know how to charge you guys for this. Uh, so, so, eight, so, seven to eight, that's in the same zone as me. Uh, if, you know, 
if, if you had to answer this really quickly, the first artist that comes to your mind when I ask this, what was an artist that made you fall in love with art? Oh, wow, that's so... I know, but it is a rapid-fire one. Okay, I mean, when I was really young, I'd never seen... I really It's Banksy, I'll just say it. I hate this, but okay. I never really went to museums or anything, and getting those books about Banksy and like seeing that he was like doing really challenging, complicated things in the public space. Remind you, this is like the early 2000s. Yeah. In my adult career with Streets Department, there was an artist about... 10 years ago named Ishnitz who did yarn bombing. It was the first time I ever saw yarn bombing in real life and she was doing really interesting things like wrapping seats on the L as a, a conversation around how art can travel through neighborhoods this and everything. So, but I mean, my whole career is, I mean, the blog doesn't have an artist on it that I'm not absolutely obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about having a non-ad-driven blog. I don't have to have 10 articles a week, you know? Yeah. I post when I want to post and I post about things I like, so, yeah. You're, you're, you're driving it. It's, the, the, it's almost like when people tell me, like, you know, you're doing curating, right? I was like, no, I'm not. Yes. I was like, you absolutely are. Yeah. Um, favorite color combination? Oh, I love the color green and purple. It's very New Orleans. That was of quick. You. Yeah. Oh, wow, it was. Yeah. Whoa, maybe you influenced me, yeah. though. Ah, high five. Ah. Oh, my God, we're all little bees <laughs> just buzzing around. <laughs> now, let's talk about pretzels. Uh, Please. I was hoping you would, <laughs> we would finally get to this. And I'm actually stunned it took this long. Okay. What do you, how do you take? How do you like your pretzel? I don't know how to ask that okay, question. Great I've, question. I've not had a pretzel up here. So our pretzels are really good, and they're not that like big round one. They're like the skinny ones you get. Well, when, pretzels are just a part of life up here, or at least for, in my life. So when I was in when I was in Catholic school as a kid, pretzels your your parents would put like a couple of dollars in a little envelope, and you'd get a chocolate milk and a pretzel as a snack. You know, all through like first, second, third, fourth grade. Um, as a kid, I wanted as much salt as possible, but as a 37-year-old with uh, high blood pressure, I knock. It's, look, it's a family thing. Um, <clears throat> I knock uh, as much of the salt off as I can and just put spicy brown mustard on. Okay, okay. But <laughs> when I, when in my early 20s, I'll give you another era, in my early 20s, there was a pretzel factory... <laughs> On Washington Avenue, and my friends and I, we all lived in like the South Street area. Yeah. This was when I was like 21, 22. And if you were at the bar until it closed, you could stay up just a little bit longer and then go to the pretzel place while they're being made. <laughs> and we would bike over there. And when they're freshly made, they literally melt in your mouth and you're a little maybe drunk. So I'm having like three, and I would get the, the cheese dip. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was cheese whiz or what. <laughs> but it was liquidy, and I would dip, dip, dip. I mean, it's probably why I have high blood pressure. But no. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny. Like, you didn't see that question, but that literally is how I asked the question. Yeah. Is it plain? Is it mustard? Is it cheese? It's to, in my current era, it's knock all the salt off. Uh, maybe I'll leave like two little flakes and then spicy brown mustard. <laughs> I'm going to say the funniest one for lives, even though that's really funny. Um, if, if there was one spot um, that you would shout out in terms of a, a secret spot, and I, and I know that's pretty much a lot of what you're Ooh. doing in your work, but Hidden Gem, Secret Spot in Philly, like one that, you know, like, you know, if you come up here and you have, like, you know, an extra day or something, a couple hours, you should check this place out. Okay, if you're coming to Philly for our history, I would say with a few friends, go zigzag through a bunch of the alleys in like Old City and Society Hill. Um, the alleys are just, that's where a lot of the old architecture is. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we are the only world heritage city in the United States of America. And that just means that we have a, a significant amount of historic architecture. Mm. That's in part because we didn't have a lot of funding. You know, Boston and New York tore down a lot of their old architecture and built new things. Mm. We just didn't do that because we, we didn't have that sort of money coming through the city. Um, so yeah, zigzag through the neighborhood and Society Hill and, and Old City. There are all these really beautiful alleys. A lot of them are cobblestone. And if you're coming for the public art and street art, I mean, there are a lot of neighborhoods you can zigzag through. Probably the neighborhood has the most concentration of murals, like around 13th Street, mm -hmm. Sansom Street, 11th, 12th. There's a lot of really cool murals, old, and older and newer. Um, yeah. Right, here's the last one. Thank you. Um, I I think on my route from the train station, I'm definitely passing through. I was like, huh, a lot of, a lot of rainbow-colored streets over here. And yeah. so I was the street side. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, what'd you have for breakfast? Great question. I <laughs> Didn't know this was coming up. Oh, I don't know how to prepare. <laughs> this is a little pre-show joke. Um, I had, so I make omelets every morning, and I usually have little egg McMuffins. No, not egg McMuffins. What are they called? 
Oh, English. English muffins. English muffins, yeah. <laughs> did I say egg McMuffin? You did? English muffins on the side. But I get the whole wheat ones, okay? Yeah. I'm 37. <laughs> um, but I ran out of them. I forgot to get them. So I just had an omelet today. And what I put in my omelets varies on the day and what I have in my fridge. But today it was, and you're going to think this is crazy, but frozen peas. I, I heat them up. Mm-hmm. And um, roasted uh, peppers. It sounds good, actually. It was really good. The peas... I've had this conversation with so many people. In the omelet, if you cook them the right way, like you don't overcook them, they do these little pops, and mm. it's like this little bit of sweetness in your omelet. It's very good. So, so no cheese? Oh, ch- I thought that was a given. Of oh, course, yeah. yeah. And today sure. I only had Swiss. I would prefer something sharper, like a cheddar, mm. but I only had Swiss in my, Swiss in my fridge. See, this is, this is um, and we're, pretty, we're pretty much done with the real questions, but um, I'm sure like the um, the Italian homies, they, they would hate me because I enjoy like my Italian cold cut grinder hoagie, whatever people call it, <laughs> uh, with uh, Swiss cheese. Oh, wow. So fancy. Or, or like Ermenthal or something. You know what? To this day, if I, well, I'm vegetarian, so I'll get a cheese hoagie. It usually just has lots of veggies in the middle. I'll still get American cheese. I like American cheese. I don't know what it is. Honestly, I just know it's soft. And it, I don't know. So there you have it, folks. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're going to end. That's how we're going to end. Um, you know, we're going to end on the cheesiest note possible. Um, hey. Two, two 37-year-olds just, just talking cheese. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Whizzle it out. I don't know. Uh, so, um, one, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and indulging and sharing and chopping it up with me. And two, I want to encourage and invite you to share with the folks. This is a shameless plug portion. Mm. Tell the folks where they can check you out, check mm-hmm. out the streets mm-hmm. department, all of that great stuff. The floor is yours. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, and I'll have you on my podcast maybe in a year. We'll, get, we'll build some time in between. Um, so, streets department, you can follow me on all the social medias. It's <laughs> <laughs> Streets, D-E-P-T, like the short <laughs> You ruined this for me. Streets, D-E-P-T, like short for department, um, on all the social medias, including TikTok. Uh, I make a, you know, the TikTok's really interesting. I would say go follow me there, especially if you have a TikTok, because there's a lot uh, of fun things on there. And the biggest thing coming out right now is our second annual Streets Department magazine. Um, we've been doing this for two years now. We hope to make it an annual magazine. It's created initially with our Patreon support, so they get theirs first. They already have them. But if you're not a Patreon member of ours, you can purchase it on our big cartel, which will be live by the time this is live. So, yeah, link in bio. <laughs> D-E-P-T, like short for department. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Conrad Benner for coming on to the podcast and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee, Sanders Art, Culture, Street, D-E-P, like department. And then around <laughs> your neck of the woods, you just got to look for it. 